Julie at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 216 of Dogcast Radio. We'll be finding out how to be more dog. Renee had this crazy idea one day. It was during Jerry's recovery and she said, I got an idea. Let's sell the business, sell the house. Let's buy an RV and travel the country together with Jerry. And we'll have the Dogcast Radio News. Sadly, so many animals have been killed in the Australian wildfires that some species have become vulnerable to extinction. But the fight to pull them back from the brink is being helped by a brave dog. But first, Crufts is next month. And did you know that there's a competition for non-pedigree dogs? I spoke to the 2018 Scruffs winner. Today I'm talking to Josie Baldwin. Hi, Josie. Hello. <laughs> Hi. You and your dog won Scruffs, didn't you? Yes, we did. We what? did. Yeah, excellent. Well, excellent. not so much me, more <laughs> my dog. <laughs> yes, credit where credit's due. I mean, you had to be there, but it was mainly Jack, wasn't it? I had to be it? there. I was just holding the lead. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh. and his name's Jack, isn't it? So tell me, yeah. how, how did Jack come into your life? It's a funny story. I was actually scared of dogs hmm. when I was younger um, until my sister got a dog. She got a boxer, and ever since then, I was like, "Oh my god, I love dogs!" Oh, <laughs> and I just kept pestering my mum and dad. I was like, "I need a dog. I just, I need a dog." Yeah. And then I was saving like all my Christmas money, all my birthday money, and it was in May, so my birthday's in June. Mm. So for my eleventh birthday, uh, they were like, "Oh, we can get you a dog." <laughs> I was Aww. like, "Great!" <laughs> yeah. And we decided on a little dog to start with. Mm. Um, so, yeah, Jack is a Shih Tzu Cross Maltese, so he was perfect. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. And he was ready just in the summer holiday, so I had all that time to bond with him. Oh, lovely. Yeah, it worked out perfect. Yeah, lovely. And obviously, there's a lot of children who sort of, you know, I want a dog, I want a dog, and, and I was one of them. Was the reality of having a dog, you know, <laughs> did, did it live up to the dream? <laughs> Yes, it did. And um, I think my parents were very, like, you know, aware of the fact that I'm still very young. Mm. Um, And they were like, oh, if we get a dog, we have to go to training classes. So that's what really introduced me to, like, obedience and agility. And that's how we found out about cruffs and scruffs and all Ah, of that. (laughs) Right. Well, that was going to be my next question. How did you hear (laughs) of scruffs? Because not everybody's heard of it. People think that crufts is you know, just for pedigree yeah. dogs. But, I mean, there's a lot. Yeah. There's the I competitions. Well, yeah, yeah that, that are for, for yeah. mixes as well. And there? then I found out, because he's a crossbreed, mm. I found out, oh, we can do obedience and agility, which was great, you know. Yeah. Um, We just thought we couldn't do showing with him. And then we found out about Scruffs, because it was on the telly, it was on Channel 4. Yeah. And we watched it, like, the previous years, and we were like, wow, we could enter Jack. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. So we did. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, for people listening who think, oh, yeah, I'd quite like to enter my dog for Scruffs. How do you actually find that? Because you don't have to go to Crufts straight off, do you? How do you start the competition? So they have a Scruffs website Uh uh, every year and they have like the first couple of heats. Uh, So you just enter that, just turn up on the day, enter it. Uh, It's just a fun little class. And then, obviously, we qualified for the next heats, which were the semi-finals, and that was at Discover Dogs, yeah, in London. Mm, exciting. So, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so we we didn't we never expected for Jack to actually go all the way. It was just a bit of fun. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's just the icing on the cake, yeah. isn't it? If you get anywhere, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And he loves it. He. Because we knew he can cope with it because we do obedience and agility as well. But there's also like everyone else that doesn't has never competed before. Mm. So it's really a broad range of dogs and handlers and with different experiences. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was great for the dogs. Really, they don't know it's not just a fun day out and there's a lot of dogs there and it's nice. Yes, (laughs) just a different experience for them, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, so how did it feel, you know, the the, the heat, the first um, competition, when you yes. won that? How did that feel? I was like, wow. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Like, we just thought, oh, it's a nice day out. Let's yes. the show. 
and then we won and we were like wow I guess we're going to discover dogs <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah so then you're at discover dogs yeah you won the semi-final so how did that yeah. feel <laughs> we were like wow yes we're going to crafts we're going to be in the main arena at crafts yeah like wow <laughs> yeah and when you oh walk God. That because that green carpet, that main arena, that's where you know the the big yes. the big stars, you know, the, yes. the um, <laughs> best in show and everything walk. Yeah. So when you walk on that carpet with your own dog, that's amazing, yeah. isn't it? Definitely, it was huge. Jack yeah. looks so tiny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to sort of look around until you've sort of stood there and looked around that vast arena um, yeah. and, and seen all the people, and, and you, you know it is momentous. And to be there with your dog, it you is. sort of have to look at your dog in the eye and sort of go, wow, this, this is amazing, mate. <laughs> wow, have you done this? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I actually remember the first time I went to Crafts because Jack's um, competed in obedience at Crafts before. Mm. Um, so he's been a couple of times and I remember sitting in the main arena watching like Best in Show and everything. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that is like my dream. I want to compete there. Yes. And then I did. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> <With> Jack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So who who judged the final? It was meant to be Alan Carr. Oh yes, yeah. Um so we went we spent a day at like this rented house and he spoke to all the dogs, he got to know all the dogs. Hmm. And then like literally last minute the judge changed. Yeah. To Judge Rinder. Oh yes, yeah. But he chose Jack, so I'm happy with that. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't mind the change. Oh, no. So obviously Jack Jack worked his charm on Judge Rinder. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> I think he called him his little pocket rocket. Oh, <laughs> lovely, lovely. And has it changed Jack's life? Has Is he now a diva? Definitely. I think he was before, but this has just made it worse. Yes, it's confirmed. <laughs> confirmed it for him. Yes. <laughs> he now, he used to sleep on the floor in my room. He now sleeps on the bed. He's like, do you know who I am? <laughs> Good for him. Good for him. Yes. So tell me as well about the, the agility um, and the obedience. Yes. So he's actually done, for a little dog, he's actually done quite well. Mm. Um, so there are seven grades in agility. He's now grade three. Excellent. So, yeah, yeah considering he's my first ever dog, yeah. <laughs> I'm new to it as well as him. Yeah. So, yeah, he's done very well. And in obedience, he's now in novice. Um, so that's, he's won three classes. So, yeah. yeah, excellent, excellent. <laughs> He's doing very well. Yeah, I remember when, because Buddy and I, my Labrador and I, had a go at yeah. obedience. Um, yes. And, <laughs> and you know, you start in pre-beginners. And my, yes. hus my husband very helpfully said, you mean, there's people that haven't even started yet and they're better than you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you darling <laughs> yes but you know um these funny dog terms but I mean basically for me it was all about in that instance it was to write about but it was also about making memories with my dog you know because yes. we don't have them forever it's such a short time no. we have them for yeah and a lot of the time you sit there thinking oh I'd like to do that I'd like and you think well get up and do it because you know yeah. if, I, if not now when yeah, exactly. Like we never thought we would even win a class in yeah. obedience or agility. We just thought Jack likes it. He has fun when he does it. Yes. Might as well just have a nice day out, get some pictures. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. a rosette. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just having fun. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's the key as well. What can you do that you like that the dog likes? That's another yes. important thing, isn't it? Work yeah, to what the dog definitely. likes. Definitely. Yeah. And you can tell Jack likes it because obviously over the winter season you don't get as many shows yeah so when the first show comes <laughs> he gets so excited oh, literally we pull bless. into the car park and he's barking he's like oh my god we're here i'm yeah. ready oh <laughs> fantastic yeah yeah <laughs> oh so are you at crafts this year in, in any yeah capacity? yes yeah hmm. yeah so i've now got another dog chase he's a nova scotia ductorian retriever yeah so both Jack and Chase are competing in the same class at Crufts this year. So it's the Young Kennel Club stuff in obedience. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously you love it and, and your dogs must be so happy to, yes. you know, they've got entertainment, haven't they? They're amused yeah, all the time. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They mm -hmm. love 
the atmosphere of shows. You know, there's dogs all around them. There's nice people with yummy sweeties. Yeah. <laughs> Everything, yeah. yeah. Oh, lovely, lovely. If there's anybody <laughs> sort of sitting at home and thinking, oh, oh, shall I have a go at Scruffed? I don't know. I don't... What, what would you say? No, definitely have a go. Yeah. You've got nothing to lose. It's just, even if you go and don't get anywhere, at least it's a fun day out just for you and your dog. You know, make some memories and just have a go. If that's inspired you to just have a go, we have the links on the Dogcast Radio site where you can find out more about Scruffed's. And if you have a story to tell about you and your dog at a dog show, a serious or a fun one, I'd love to hear it. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. And now it's time for the Dogcast Radio news. And in this episode, you might hear mischief in the background, barking or pattering around the studio. Our very first story of the new year is about research. Neuroscientist Gregory Burns and his colleagues at Emory University in Atlanta have been investigating whether dogs have an innate sensitivity to numbers. When we quickly estimate the number of a certain thing, we rely on our approximate number system. Research has previously indicated that monkeys, fish, bees and dogs have this ability. However, so far, individuals studied have been trained for the task. Dr Burns and his team wanted to establish whether dogs have an inbuilt approximate number system and to that end they recruited 11 dogs who ranged from Border Collies to Pitbull mixes and Labrador Golden Retriever mixes. You may remember from episode 190 of Dogcast Radio where Julie and Greg discussed his book What It's Like to Be a Dog that Greg examined dogs' brains using MRI scanners. In this research, just as in that used in the book, the dogs chose to enter the MRI scanner and were free to choose to leave at any time. This time, they were required to put their chin on a specific rest and look at a screen which displayed a number of dots which changed every 300 milliseconds. If the dogs had a dedicated brain region for representing quantities, the team were hoping to see it show more activity when the number of dots changed than when it stayed constant. And indeed, eight of the 11 dogs did show that pattern, and intriguingly, slightly different brain regions lit up in each dog. Clearly, there's a lot left to investigate and understand about dogs' ability to count. But it's amazing to know that they have one. So, that old joke about dogs being able to count. Count three treats up, give the dog only two, put the remaining one in your pocket, and you'll see if they can count. Isn't as far off as we thought. And now, on to our second story of 2020, which is that the Royal Society for the Protection of Birds... (laughs) The Royal Society for the Protection of Birds is looking to train up a biodetection dog to help conserve the UK's endangered birds. The dog will patrol Britain's 41 protected seabird islands with the aim of protecting the birds from predators, such as rats. Rats can devastate bird populations and have been factors in the extinction of some bird species. When the RSPB, Natural Institute, <laughs> and the National Trust collaborated on a project to eradicate rats from the island of Lundy, Numbers of puffins, Manx shearware and guillemots soared. The dog will only be involved in indicating the presence of rodents, not controlling them. The initiative is part of a wider £1 million four-year European Union funded scheme to help preserve species which are at risk of global extinction. Sadly, so many animals have been killed in the Australian wildfires that some species have become vulnerable to extinction. But the fight to pull them back from the brink is being helped by a brave dog. Bear is a Border Collie Coolie Cross and is the only dog in the world. I know he is. He's the only dog in the world able to sniff out koalas. He's worn socks to protect his paws from damage and has been helping firefighters rescue the marsupials in New South Wales and Queensland. Making the story even more heartwarming, Bear's original owner dumped him because he didn't like to play. He was rescued and brought to the Sunshine Coast University where he was trained to find koalas. So now a rescue dog is helping rescue a whole species. How beautiful. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I'm not sure if she was agreeing or commenting on that. On now to a scheme which is in its pilot stages in Australia and Scotland. John King was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2016 and his concerned family sent him and his wife, Jeanette, details of the Alzheimer's Scotland and Dogs for Goods Dementia Dogs initiative. Jeanette and John now share their lives with a black Labrador, Lenny, 
Lenny is trained to perform such tasks as taking a pouch containing medicine to John at certain times of the day to remind him to take medication, in addition to providing companionship and encouraging the couple to take daily exercise. Dementia Dog has plans to have therapy programmes in the community, allowing those with a dementia diagnosis who can't have a dog of their own to benefit from being around a dog. You can find out more at DementiaDog.org. When your dog goes missing, you have to move fast to get them back, as one Florida man found out. Sandy Hernandez has two huskies called Ragnar and Cloud. When the adventurous duo made it over the fence and away, Sandy was devastated, searching for his dogs and making flyers which he put up around the local area. Meanwhile, Ragnar and Cloud were found and taken to Miami-Dade Animal Services. In a lucky twist, the man who found the dogs saw a flyer, contacted Sandy and told him where his dogs were. Sandy rushed off, and when he arrived at the shelter, he was alarmed to find that his dogs were taking part in a pet adoption photo shoot in preparation to being adopted. Luckily, Sandy was in time to claim his dogs back, and hopefully he's reinforced that garden fence to stop them getting away again. In New Mexico, USA, a dog nicknamed Subway Sally has been turning up at a subway shop in the hopes of being fed. Thanks to the subway staff, Sally doesn't go hungry, as they give her packages of chicken, turkey and bacon. The florist next door to Subway grooms Sally to keep her looking her best, and if Sally fancies a change of diet, staff at the Taco Bell over the road are willing to feed her too. Several people have tried to entice Sally into going home with them, but she will not cooperate, and there is a possibility she has puppies somewhere nearby, as she has had several litters in the time she's been frequenting the fast food shops. What do you think is the answer for Sally and the many other dogs like her in that area? Should she be left to live her life, or should she be made to accept the protection of a home? That's all for the Dogcast Radio News. See you next time. Dogs have a sense of time, can tell the difference between a shorter and longer time, and begin to anticipate regular events. It's possible their nose plays a part in their ability to sense time. When your dog is diagnosed with a life-threatening condition, it forces you to take stock and make changes. Renee Agredano and Jim Nelson did that in a very big way when their beloved dog Jerry was diagnosed with cancer. So I'm talking to Jim and Renee tonight. Hi, guys. Hi there. Hello for having us. Hi. Thank you for being here. Thank you. So let's, I mean, yours is an incredible story. And it, I think as most stories on dog has to, it starts with a dog. So let's go back to the beginning and tell me about your lovely dog, Jerry. Oh, I'd be happy to do that. Um, well, you know, when, when Jim and I first got together, we had, we decided we wanted a dog after a, a couple of incidents where I felt like I really need a dog. I'm going to be alone because Jim was doing a lot of traveling. And I said, you know, we need to get a dog. And I kind of talked him into it. And uh, we went down to the shelter and found this little pound puppy who ended up being the center of our universe. I mean, he was just he was a great dog and he was so loving to everybody he met and just easy to easy to get along with easy to raise i mean we got very very lucky with him <laughs> um so he he kind of became the center of our world but at the same time we were also working really hard to start a business in our new home we had moved to a a very rural part of um northern california and um we needed to make a go of it. You know, we had, uh, we had this new business, new dog, and we're trying to juggle everything. And Jerry, that was his name. And he was so patient. He just kind of hung around waiting for us every day until we were done with work, which was usually late into the night. And he got a, he got a a playtime with us each day. He was luckier than most dogs, but still, you know, we kind of knew in the back of our heads that, gosh, you know, we felt really bad that we just couldn't give him the attention that we knew he deserved. And then uh, I'll let I'll let Jim fill you in on, on the oh, turning um, point. Okay. Fast forward you know, eight years, we called Jerry our chief fun officer because he kind of taught us that there was more to life than work. And we, he'd knock on the keyboard at 5 p.m. <laughs> and, and tell you, time's up, let's go play. Um, and we would go on hikes and we were big outdoorsy people often hiking in the woods. And after a fairly long weekend hike on the Pacific Coast Trail, we came home and he had had jumped out of the truck and let out this heart just heart curdling yelp yeah he seriously hurt himself i thought he had just he was eight years old and um we thought maybe the hip dysplasia that he was diagnosed with as a puppy was coming back or he hurt 
hurt himself jumping out of the truck. And we trusted our vet who said, oh, give him this NSAID drug and it's arthritis. He'll be fine. And then he kept limping and then he didn't limp and he limped again. And the vet said, oh, try this different drug. And that went on for a number of weeks until one of his vet techs followed us out to the car and said, you might want another second opinion. And thank goodness for that, because we went to a second vet who was okay saying, I don't know. And they looked at the x-rays and said, I don't know what this is, but you should go to UC Davis, which is one of the best teaching hospitals in the country here. And um, it was about six hours away. And we went down there with Jerry and they found a large tumor about the size of a mango growing in his shoulder. It was oh. osteosarcoma, the worst, worst kind of cancer a dog can get. And, and back then we didn't know anything about dog cancer or even really veterinary care because Jerry had been healthy up until then. I mean, mm -hmm. he hardly had any problem. Um, cancer diagnosis, we were like, oh my God, you know, dogs get cancer? What? We, we had no idea. And it was this really sudden uh, steep learning curve that we had to deal with. And they gave us the uh, option to either amputate his leg to get rid of the cancer, which would temporarily get rid of it. Um, osteosarcoma never really goes away. Well, it'll get rid of the pain for sure, but not necessarily yeah. get rid of the cancer. It'll get rid of the primary tumor, um, but it does alleviate the pain of that tumor. And and most dogs, if, or, or, or cats, get it occasionally, um, but dogs, if you get rid of the leg, you can buy a, generally six months to a year, according to statistics. Uh, this is what the vets told us. Um, so amputation was one option, and uh, the other option was something we didn't even want to consider, which was euthanasia. Um, so, um, you know, we said, well, we, we kind of, at first we said, no, there's no way our dog would be happy on three legs. There's absolutely no way. He's an active dog. How could a dog be happy on three legs? We were just kind of appalled at the idea at first. But... Um, then we, we went home, and, and this was in the early days of, of YouTube, very early. So this was 2006. Um, and we started searching around for three-legged dogs, and there wasn't much out there, but what was out there was a video of a three-legged Great Dane digging for gophers. <laughs> and that big dog was so happy and so joyful and just digging and digging and you could hear his dad in the background going get the gophers moose get it and we looked at each other and we're like whoa that dog's twice as big as jerry jerry was about 80 pounds and we said if that dog could be happy on three legs then our dog could too so we uh we turned around and we and we told the university that we would go ahead with the surgery and then our whole world kind of changed after that Renee had this crazy idea one day. It was during Jerry's recovery, and we were at a point in our business where it was time to grow and expand more or change things somehow. And we knew we owed Jerry for all those years he waited for us. And she said, I got an idea. Let's sell the business, sell the house. Let's buy an RV and travel the country together with Jerry. Mm -hmm. And it, I just kind of went, okay. And then she put. Well, he didn't exactly say. Okay. <laughs> it was. It didn't take long for me to agree because I know when she puts her head to something, she can get it done. And she started reading books and and planning for a year off. So we actually budgeted for a year road trip with Jerry because he was given you know six months to a year, and we hit the road at that six month mark, and he was still very healthy. I mean on the outside. And I kept telling him, just wait, you just hang in there and we're going to take you on a road trip. And sure enough, he hung in there and he ended up living two years um, without any IV chemotherapy or anything. But at about six months on three legs, we got in the RV and just started traveling the country. Yeah. And haven't looked back since. <laughs> oh, that's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, I, Buddy, my black Labrador, Buddy had um, cancer, but he he was lucky in that it was a skin cancer. It was a, a mast cell tumour. And so it was sort of in his oh, skin. Yeah. It can metastasize. It can be very nasty. It can be mm -hmm. fatal, depending on the level. Mm -hmm. He was very lucky his didn't metastasize. But I can remember that moment when we thought it was a fatty cyst. And we had it um, mm -hmm. needle aspirated. And the vet had sort of said, I don't think this is going to be anything. And then when she phoned 
five days later, I think, and said, it's cancer. And oh my goodness, the world tilts and you just think, no, 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 no. I mean, the dog I love cannot die like now. Um, right. It's 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 and it's just life changing. It, it does. You just suddenly think, oh my goodness, all the certainty is taken away, and it's just awful. So it is, it is a horrible thing to go through. But I, I mean, as you you've in your email to me, you've said one in four dogs will get cancer. It is something that it's not nice to think about, but we need to think about it, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely, we do. absolutely. That experience taught us a lot about advocating for our dogs when we suspect there's something wrong. Like you, you had the lump aspirated and, um, you know, there's still some vets out there who will say, Oh, we'll just, we'll just watch it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, when now I tell anybody who that their dog has this weird lump or area on their, get it checked out and get it tested. Just don't take that wait and see approach because cancer can be really nasty and behave very badly. And cancer, bone cancer in particular, is more or less the leading reason for amputation in dogs. Um, And the thing is, the animals usually do pretty well. We like to say they're born with three legs and a spare. They, They bounce back, quite literally. Jerry came hopping out of the hospital the next day. But it's the people who don't, I mean, as you know, and, and we knew, we freaked out. Yes. The, the people don't cope with it quite as well. And that's what led us to create the Tripods community. It all started as a little blog. Um, at UC Davis, the vets and the techs were calling these three-legged dogs Tripods. And I thought that was kind of derogatory. And so I decided to register the Tripods domain with a paw in the middle, T-R-I-P-A-W-D-S, and kind of take back that word and empower it to give people an understanding, you know, dogs can indeed love life on three legs. And we started a little blog just to cover our travels for that first, what we thought was going to be a year on the road. And we started getting emails and I only had one type of dog and one type of cancer. So I installed discussion forums and people started talking to each other and talking about their pugs with mast cancer or their Great Danes missing a rear leg. And from there, the, the website kind of took off. And next thing you know, we started a live chat room that people can hop in. And it's all about providing the support for the people going through amputation for their dogs and cats. And now, you know, years later, we're hosting more than 1,500 three-legged dog and cat blogs. Wow. That is excellent. That's brilliant. I mean, I love this when, you know, it's a terrible thing to lose your dog at any age and in any circumstance. It's a horrible, horrible thing to go through to lose your dog. But if you can get some positive, it is, isn't it, Renee? But if you can get some positive out of it, anything, then that's great to do. And the fact that that's a tremendous legacy to Jerry, isn't it? That's that's wonderful. <laughs> it is. It is. We like to joke about that word legacy <laughs> oh, in our <laughs> community. Um, <laughs> but um, well, but it, it's true though. When when you're dealing with with a uh, terminal cancer, it it really it, it you know it rocks your world and, and really shows you that nothing's guaranteed. And it doesn't matter if your dog has cancer or doesn't have cancer. We don't know if we're going to be around next week or next year. Mm-hmm. So. You know, these dogs are really good at showing us how not to obsess about things like prognoses or, you know, we, we like to, one of our members, actually, one of our earliest members at Tripods, she she coined the phrase, uh, dogs don't come with an expiration date stamped on their butt. Or the diagnosis so, doesn't come with a... And so, even the vet's telling you your dog only has six months. You don't know that. I don't know that. These are just averages, you know, mm. so... Why not make the most of it? Stop obsessing on these numbers and just follow your dog's lead. Your dog's not concerned about what the vet said. Your dog wants you to be happy. And for you to be happy, that means just, you know, do as they do and stop and smell the roses and just, you know, make the most of every day. Yeah. Absolutely. And I always think with a dog, it's about making memories, enjoying yourself, but making memories that, you know, they're only with us for such a short time. And it's about making memories that you can look back on afterwards and think, we had a blast, didn't we? And it's, you know, that's so important. And you're right that 
it doesn't, you know, whether they've lost a leg or, you know, I've known dogs who can't see, dogs who can't hear, various things. And they <laughs> don't feel sorry for themselves. They just get on with life and they throw themselves into it. And that is a, a tremendous inspiration, or it should be, shouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. If we could all be more dog, it would be a better world, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we do like to say that. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So, speaking of be more dogs, yep. so you know, Jerry, uh, Jerry taught us a lot along the way, and we, when he passed away, it, it just, you know, there, oh my God, there goes our world again, mm. and we felt, we felt pretty lost for a while, and. Jim and I are both are both writers at heart. We um, we enjoy the writing process, and so we just decided to start sharing our experience about what it was like to have those two years together, which were was total bonus time. We never expected that, and we put together a little book that we call <laughs> "Be More Dog." It took us it took us about ten years to put it together, um, but we just published it, and this is but it's a story about what he and and other dogs um, can teach people um, different lessons about enjoying life together yeah yeah and that's brilliant because you're going to help so many people with it but I bet the writing process helped you you know the the word is always cathartic isn't it but I bet remembering and and I bet it took it so long because you were both saying hey do you remember such and such and you had to keep fitting more and more into the book but yes that's a brilliant thing to do Oh yeah, uh, you know, it's it's one thing to write a book on your own, but it's another thing to write it with another person because you both tend to see things in in different viewpoints all the time, and so trying to put together a cohesive story where you're both remembering the exact same details. I would I would prompt Jim about, don't you remember when he did this? And he would say, Oh yeah, like he totally forgot about that, or or vice versa. Um, but it was and. Um, it took a lot of restraint not to make it a huge, crazy long novel. We had to cut out about a fourth of it because, you know, our, our editor said, let's let's make this, you know, a nice little story. You don't need to write War and Peace. Let's just let's just get this out there. Um, so it was fun. It was fun. And um, whether somebody's dog has cancer or not, you know, we think that um, they would enjoy reading this book. Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm enjoying reading it. I'm still reading it at the moment, but yes, I'm enjoying it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, I am. It's great. Um, and and also, you've been in a documentary, haven't you? Yeah, that was um 2009 when it first came out. It was a uh, the PBS uh, program titled Nature, and they they cover all sorts of nature things. And this episode was called Why We Love Cats and Dogs, and it was all about the bonds we share with our animals, cats and dogs, and there was. There's a crazy cat person who the cat saved his life, and we were the crazy dog people who turned our life all the way around for our dog when he got cancer. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really – the timing couldn't have been better or worse considering you know Jerry got cancer. But when we discovered his cancer had returned, it had metastasized in the lungs after about um, – 17, 16, 17 months. And it was like everything just came back to us. And it was like back to square one with his sickness. And what are we going to do? And um, we were contacted by PBS at that time. And they dropped everything and sent a camera crew to meet us at an oncologist in Santa Fe. And they were there for that filming of that um, clinic visit with Jerry and then followed us around the mountains around there and got some footage from us and kind of that was the first time we actually kind of got to tell our story which eventually came the core part of the Be More Dog book yes yeah wonderful and and what a story I mean you spent a long time on the road with him and I guess that two years was sort of you packed a lot into it. It's more than two years would have been at home, as you say, where you're working and Jerry would have spent a lot of time waiting for you. What what memories stand out from that time for you? Oh, my gosh. Um, there's so many. But I guess um, my favorite was when we got to see him play in the Atlantic Ocean. So Jim and I grew up in California and Jerry's a he was a California dog and he loved going to the beach. That was his favorite thing in the world. And so when we decided to start traveling, I I thought, wow, that'd be awesome if we could see him swim on the other coast. And we did. We did. 
several months after we started traveling, we made it to the state of Maine and took him out Acadia uh, National Park and he swam in the ocean and it was like Jerry was so happy to see a beach he hadn't seen waves or anything in, in a few months and to see him just splashing around and having a ball and barking at things I mean it was great and I thought I could I could be really happy right now if he if he didn't make it to next week you know what this this is this is right here and now this is beautiful yeah um, oh lovely but yeah, but he kept going and and he actually got to swim in the Gulf of, of Mexico and <laughs> go back to Southern California one more time. So it was it was pretty cool. That That's my favorite memory. Yeah. It was those milestones that were the most memorable. And, and since he lived in most of his life near a beach, the beach ones were definitely up there. But I believe it was that lifestyle that helped helped contribute to adventure so he wasn't just you know and like like humans at home feeling sick or sorry for himself he was out there exploring every day and making it to the fullest and and we were hoping he'd make it to the next milestone whether that was down in the gulf or getting back to colorado and i think that really helped him live as long as he did yeah i know it helped him love life as much as he did yeah i bet i mean there's there's um i'm not sure there's research but there, there a lot of people that i talk to sort of th- say if you can keep your dog stimulated and actually that you know the mental stimulation not just the, the going for walks and the, and the playing games and the activities but the mental stimulation is so important to to both physical health but also that mental health keeping them keeping the brain active as long as possible and giving them a longer life with as great a quality as possible oh i totally believe that um you know for jerry it was a change of scenery on on the road when he was with us. Um, now that we've been um, doing this for so long, and, and we still travel, but you know we tend to stay in places a little bit longer for a few months at a time. Sometimes our current uh, tripod is um, Wyatt, and we don't mention him in the book because we feel that someday Wyatt will have his own story to share. But he is now 11 years old, and he's been on three legs for almost his entire life, and. I think that the change of scenery he gets to enjoy has had a lot to do with his longevity. He's completely healthy, you know, touch wood. And he's, um, for an 11 year old German shepherd, I mean, you know, he's still, you know, snarly and, and grumpy as ever. And, and he's happy. I mean, he's just a crazy, happy dog. So I, I feel like, you know, we've been very fortunate to be able to give that to him. Yes. I mean, a lot of German Shepherds. My mum had a, a German Shepherd that we all loved and he didn't quite make it to 10. So to, to be 11 and to be happy and living, you know, loving life is, is a real achievement. That's, that's great. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, we try hard. All the lessons that we, um, all the things that we didn't know when we had Jerry, you know, <laughs> we know, uh, we know now why it gets the benefit of that. We're a little, a little smarter about things. So, you know, I, I think that's had some, some input on his health. Yeah, and things like the importance of rehab after amputation and ongoing as a three-legged dog. Um, and the mental stimulation. He plays more mind games than I do. Renee does little twister games and, and uh, scent work games. And, you know, he has to work for his treats. And we say that's really important, especially during recovery after any major surgery, but especially amputation in our community, to keep them mentally stimulated because you can tire out your dog Without a walk or a run or playing fetch of any sort, you can sit in a room and Wyatt will do these scent work games and he has an activity mat where he has to pull things apart to get to treats and he'll be exhausted after 10 minutes of play. So that's kind of important to, you know, especially when it comes to recovery when they need to be, you know, kind of contained and moderate their activity, you can stimulate their brain to tire them out. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I, I like you say, I wish more people knew that, that it's not just... Because because some dogs, you know, you can't tie. You know, I'm thinking of maybe some German shepherds or border collies or whatever. You can't mm-hmm. tire them out sufficiently with just exercise, or you build an athlete right. who just needs more and more mm-hmm. exercise. You know, but the brain work, as you say, tires them out, and it's it's just what they need. And I I find the things that I went through with Buddy, and and as you say, when you know, you get your dog, and you you don't know everything you need to know and you keep learning and you read yep. and you go online and, and you educate yourself and you arm yourself with all this knowledge and then 
you know, my passion is to share that with other people so they're a bit more prepared so that they don't, you know, go through that kind of what the heck moment, you know, that so they do have that. And I think, I think, you know, I feel like you, you guys feel that too, because what you've been through, you're sharing that, but you're helping arm other dog owners, as you say, to be the best advocate they can be, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because when a, a dog loses a leg, you know, they can still do things that they enjoyed doing before, but on a very more, on a limited basis, because you really want to protect their joints. They, they have a lot more joint stress when they're moving around on three legs. And what we tell people is it's no different than if you were caring for a senior dog, you're just doing this. So instead of throwing a ball or throwing a Frisbee and, and letting your dog run around crazy for, you know, an hour at a time, start working on our brain because these are for a senior dog. You're not going to throw a, a tennis ball all day long for a, a 10-year-old or 12-year-old dog, usually, unless it's a border collie. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, these are, these are just little things. And we tell people, rethink activity with your dog. It, it's not always about a long walk and chasing a ball. Dogs are capable of so much more. We just have to bring it out in them and in ourselves. Yes. And we like to call it uh, adapting to the new normal. So your dog has this terrible condition, has to have an amputation. It's, life isn't necessarily worse. It's just different. Yeah. And we just need to adapt adapt a bit. And that's why we like to say, be more dog. Because the, the worst recoveries we see with people and their dogs are with the people who dote the most over their dog after recovery, pick them up and carry them around, run to their side when they whimper and hand feed them and sleep on the floor with them because the dog wonders why are you doing this um a rehab vet once told us if you want life to be normal again you have to act as though life is normal because yeah. the dog's going to follow your lead so the people that are crying and distressed and upset the animal picks that up and mm. then it will follow that lead and and we cried too we cried a lot when jerry lost his leg but you know we hid it from him and <laughs> we tried yes. to anyways mm. you know we, we just didn't fall apart in front of him because he fell apart and we fell apart. Yes. And that's why we offer the discussion forums and the blogs and the live chat. And now we've formed a, a nonprofit foundation where we actually have a toll-free hotline that people can help, the Tripods helpline. They can call for help to talk to people who understand. Because oftentimes the friends and family, the, the network of support that we have doesn't get it. When, when you go through these extreme lengths to help your dog with a diagnosis like this by removing a limb, oftentimes that friends and family doesn't really support you the, the way you need. And therefore, people can jump in a chat room and cry with each other and, you know, still be strong around their dog. Yeah, yeah. So I want to, we'll, we'll talk about the, the links that people, because people will need the links to go and, and, and um, make the most of all this um, and find out more about you and Jerry and, and um, Wyatt. But let's talk about your podcast because you started a podcast as well, didn't you? We did. We did. Um, it was one way that we felt we, we could help people with more detailed information direct from experts. So Jim and I are not vets, but because of the tripods work that we do, we talk to a lot of veterinarians, oncologists, um, physiotherapists, and we want to be able to share their opinions about being three-legged and, and pet cancers and things like that um, in way more detail than we could in a, a blog post. Um a cast called Tripod Talk, and uh, about every twice a month or so, um, we interview uh, experts about everything from um, health and wellness to um, uh, training, you name nutrition. it. Nutrition. Um, the latest yeah. episode just came out. It was all about CBD. That's a, a big deal these days. Mm. So we talked to one of the leading experts, you know, the guy who knows his stuff. And, and what we to do the content at Tripods and on Tripod Talk Radio is provide qualified, reputable information from, you know, expert sources. So we spent a day at UC Davis Teaching Hospital interviewing five different faculty members about bone regrowth and prosthetic use use and orthopedics. Um, orthopedics. Yep. So we talk to the experts in their field and present that information so that when people are doing their homework, they don't just go to Facebook and get hugs and likes and hear, oh, I, try CBD. It's great. Get it on Amazon. Well, most of the stuff you 
by some of it doesn't even have CBD in it. So we talk to experts to give the best possible information we can. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's the other thing. There is so much rubbish on the internet that it's so Mm -hmm. important. I share that passion of let's get the right information out there. Absolutely. And especially with this, you know, when people are dealing with a cancer diagnosis or their dog gets shot. Oh, my God. There's so much crazy stuff about Mm. cancer out there. Mm. Oh, my gosh. And people will go to extreme lengths and spend lots of money. So we like to, you know, and no cases, you know, every dog is different. Every case is different. You got to do what's right for you and your pet and your situation and your budget. Um, So when you go on social media and people say, oh, you got to try this you know, golden honey paste, you know, Mm. you got to wonder, you know, sure, it might help certain things, but we want people to have all the fat. Yeah. Those decisions, uh, educated decisions. Absolutely. Arm yourself with the knowledge. That's what we need to do to, to be, as you said, the best advocate for our dog. Definitely. Absolutely. Mm. So tell me the links where people, we will put these in the show notes, obviously, but tell me the links people need to come and find out more information about you. Sure. Our our main website is tripods.com and that's spelled T-R-I-P-A-W-D-S.com. And that's where people will find our discussion forums, videos, photo galleries, our news blog with expert interviews um, and member blogs with um, individual stories that people write about their own three-legged dogs and cats. That's tripods.com. And then the foundation is at tripods.org.org. And that's where we've actually started helping people more directly with veterinary financial aid for amputation surgery. We will actually um, reimburse anyone who takes their three-legged animal to a certified rehab professional. It's a physiotherapist. A physio or a hydrotherapy, that sort of thing. Um, so at tripods.org, there's all sorts of um, direct um, assistance programs and a toll-free helpline. And then when we talk about the book, Be More Dog, that's available anywhere. But we like to send people to bemoredog.net where we have ebooks, the paperback, a special gift edition. And what we're doing in that blog is sharing photos and videos from our years with Jerry to kind of give some backstory there. So we'll share an excerpt from the book and show a video of him playing on the beach. And so that blog is active with kind of some more bonus material from the book there. That's bemoredog.net. Yeah, great. As I say, we'll, we'll put those on the in the show notes so people can click and come straight to you. That, that's I mean, it's great. I really admire what you're doing. It, it's It's just wonderful and you're helping so many people i love in in the in the spirit of be more dog i love the um the foreword from patrick mcconnell who in who who created mutts and sort of that that cartoon sort of about asking the dog what time is it can you tell us about that because i thought that was lovely sure that uh, that comic that original um strip that i cut out of the paper in march of 2008 is still inside our medicine cabinet Aww. and it was so it, it just touched us at the right time because i talked about that clinic visit where we found out jerry's cancer had returned and renee had just like found the oncology clinic that morning the night before i had a terrible nightmare because all of these things were coming back and that strip was in the LA Times that morning. And we travel full time, so I rarely get to read a paper. But we were visiting her parents, and her dad handed me the comics, and that jumped out at me first. And um, it's got Ollie, um, Earl's person, working, slaving away, a big stack of paper, just like we were all the time. And um, he says, I wonder what time it is. And Earl, the dog, jumps up and says, now, 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 now. <laughs> and they go for a walk, and Ollie says... Dogs always know what time it was. And it just really succinctly defined what Jerry was trying to tell us all along. It's like, I don't care what happened yesterday. I don't care. It's not five o'clock yet. Now is the time to go play. Now is the time to go smell the roses. Now is the time to go make the most of today. And it really just summed it up there. And we were really honored to get Patrick to um, produce that or or, um, write the forward for us and create a little illustration of our Jerry with um, Earl and Mooch there in the front. Yeah, I think that's lovely. Is there anything else that you wanted to say that I didn't give you a chance to say yet? Oh, gosh. Um, 
Um, I just want Boy. people to know that for, you know, <laughs> tripods.com and tripods.org are yeah. the place to turn if you know anyone who is facing these difficult decisions because I will never forget that night in the UC Davis, you know, a hotel near UC Davis when I was almost ready to have them not wake Jerry up from his scan because we didn't have any place to turn for support. And now there's so many resources out there. If you would have asked me 10 years ago if this is what I'd be doing for a living, I would have laughed out loud. Um, but it really it, it's our purpose and it's why we do what we do to help other people get through this. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And when a dog like that it touches your heart and your life and changes your life and gives you a, a new purpose and a job, it's it's just amazing, isn't it? Oh, it is. They they give so much than we ever expect, and and they're quite a gift. Um, I think uh, dog people get it. Yes, <laughs> you know, it, there's each each one has so many things to share with us if we just uh, pay attention. Yeah, and we just gotta learn how to listen to them. The internet is a wonderful tool for empowering yourself, arming yourself with knowledge to make your dog's life as happy and healthy as possible. It's also perfect for interacting with other dog owners, exchanging ideas and supporting each other. We have all the links Jim mentioned on the Dogcast Radio site. If your dog is going through health problems or if you're mourning your dog, there is help and support available. So don't suffer alone. Find solace and answers on or offline. If nothing else, contact me, and I'll try and connect you with what you need. That's all for this time. Until next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident dogcastradio. That's all one word, dogcastradio. By email, you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com. When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. How do dog catchers get paid? By the pound.